It's Philosophy Talk. I'm so mad at you. What kind of greeting is that? What kind of daughter doesn't let her mother pick her up at the airport? Uh, the kind of daughter who parks her car at the airport car park. Yeah, but I'm the kind of mother who picks her daughter up from the airport, you know, with flowers and coffee and a fake chauffeur's sign. Why would you mess with my sense of self? Do we ever directly perceive the self? Or is that just a fiction I created to make sense of a complicated world? I've undergone a complex personal evolution wherein painful confusion has given way to what I like to think of as some degree of wisdom culminating in my current Zarathustrian sense of self. Is there really a constant unified self underneath all our perceptions? Or just a bunch of changing ideas and thoughts? It's true that we think that we have a self, but there just isn't any basis for it. It doesn't do any work. Our guest is UC Berkeley psychologist Alison Gopnik. Could half a billion Buddhists really be wrong? Is the self an illusion? Coming up on Philosophy Talk. If you like Philosophy Talk, you might also enjoy podcasts from our friends at the IAI, the Institute of Art and Ideas. Check them out at IAI.tv. Is there such a thing as a self, something that makes you who you are? Or is the self just a convenient fiction? If we all stopped believing in selves, would the world be a better place? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I think I'm Josh Landy. And I think I'm John Perry. We're coming to you from the studios of KLW in San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative, and where John taught philosophy for 44 years. Today we're asking, is the self an illusion? An illusion, John? If it were an illusion, who exactly would be deluded? Your brain. There's no self in your brain. Look as hard as you want. You ain't going to find a self in there. All you find is a series of perceptions, memories, and uh, in some people's case, half-baked ideas not meeting you, Josh, of course. <laughs> oh, well, speak for yourself, John. And I guess you're speaking for a lot of philosophers, too. Uh, whom do you have in mind? Yeah, Hume. That's oh, what I have in mind. Hume is whom you have in mind. Okay, uh -huh. my favorite joke. Uh, well, I take that as a great compliment. I don't agree with everything Hume said. But he had a lot of insights into the human mind, and you know, he wasn't alone. Some of the great Buddhist thinkers agree that the self is an illusion, and I think for similar reasons. Oh, you mean the whole chariot thing? Oh, yeah. One, one Buddhist teacher, name escapes me, said that the self is like a chariot. All you have is stuff like wheels, axles, and reins. Just parts. Nothing above and beyond that. No essence. Nothing immortal. Same with your mind. There's only advertising jingles, dash hopes, football results, the sound of the phone ringing because some Democrat wants money. <laughs> no magic extra thing called a self. Well, that's great for chariots, John, but, you know, chariots don't have memories of their childhood. So what? I'm 77. I don't either. <laughs> I barely remember last week or what I ate for lunch, or we haven't had lunch anyway. Maybe I was a chariot last week. I, I doubt that, John. I think we actually do a decent job of accessing our childhood memories for the most part, and we have special access to them. I mean, other people can find stuff out about my childhood, but they can't remember it the way I can, and that's because I'm the same person. There's something that's persisted throughout all these years, and that's me, myself. Well, as another great Buddhist teacher said, memory memory. 
Half of it is made up. Every time you remember something, you rewrite the past. Good luck getting yourself out of that, Josh. Well, okay, John, but consistency also works in the other direction. I mean, it's not just that I can remember how I was in the past. I can also predict, at least to some extent, how I'm going to be in the future. I can, I can also predict how you're going to be. I mean, I am 99.9% .9 confident that any moment now you're about to crack some off-color joke, hopefully not on the air. Aha! Just wait and see what my illusory self decides to do. Oh, I don't have to wait, John. I'm certain of it. And that's because we do a pretty decent job of predicting what our friends are going to do. And that, in turn, is because they have personalities. That There's something in them, John, that's relatively stable and that, that makes them do a lot of the things they do. Why not call that a self? Well, okay, but for the sake of argument, I can predict that the sun's going to rise tomorrow. That doesn't make the sun a self. Sure, okay, but does the sun worry about who to be with or what to do with its life? Human beings, you know, we're, we're constantly making all these big decisions about our futures, and the way we make them often enough is by figuring out who we are. I mean, take me. Do you, do you really think I should ditch my teaching job and sign up for the ice capades? Give it a whirl. You might be good at it. I, I really don't think I'd be too much of a hit on the oh, ice. Oh, I, I think before long you would make a big hit on the ice. <laughs> Fair enough. That's just evidence for my point. You clearly know me, John, and I know me. And that's why I can plan. I can make realistic decisions about my future, at least from time to time. Well, it's good to pretend to have a self. It's useful to think of my future self as the same person as me. It's, it's even useful maybe to think of that there's some kind of essence that carries through all these stages of the thing we call me. But really... At bottom, isn't it just a convenient fiction? See, I knew you were going to say something like that. You're so predictable, John, and that's what I love about your wonderful self. Ah, it's clear I have more work to do to persuade you of the truth, or to persuade some stage of you or part of you of the <laughs> truth. And to help with that, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shreen Adel, to find out whether it's better to hang on to the self or let it go. She fileth this report. It's funny going to talk to someone you've never met about the illusion of self, because as a radio reporter, the first thing we always ask is for people to introduce themselves. How would you describe yourself? Well, on the surface, I might say my name is David Michelson, and I've been a consultant for over 30 years. Um, I'm a dad. Uh, that's probably my most important job and, and love of my life. And yet, obviously, that question is a much deeper question as well. And that's the question that got David started on this journey. He says at first he was curious from a psychological perspective. What makes you, you? But then he began reading about Buddhism and practicing meditation. He even went to India to study with spiritual teachers. And six months in... In a nutshell... On February 7th, 1997, I went to sleep and woke up on February 8th, and literally, my consciousness was different. It was wild. It was 3.30 in the morning, and he went outside and walked around, looking at the trees and the view below. It felt like I was actually in a movie set. It was like, at one level it was real, and one level it actually I experienced it as, as an illusion. He says it's hard to find the words to describe it. But when he was back in the States, he found a teacher who could articulate what happened to him. Up until you see beyond it, everything is dominated by oneself. 
I want to be enlightened. I want to have some spiritual revelation, which is really no different than I want an ice cream cone. I want to be loved. I like or I don't like. Adya Shanti is a spiritual teacher and founder of Open Gate Sangha in the San Francisco Bay Area. He studied Zen Buddhism, but he doesn't teach any particular tradition. The fiction of self always keeps itself in the center of one's consciousness. And spiritual awakening is seen through the fiction of that, that there isn't actually a self in the center of one's consciousness. As in, if you like vanilla and I like chocolate, where does that feeling come from? That's not what makes you you. It's just a reaction to a set of experiences. But I told David, honestly, it's a lot to wrap my head around. Why is it important to see the self as a fiction? Is it a complete abandonment of identity? I think that can be harder for some people than others. I am deeply embedded within my identities as a black woman, child of immigrants, um, and I'm not, there isn't for me in this moment any strong movement toward letting those sort of markers of identity go. Chika Okoye is a practicing Buddhist who works at the Buddhist Peace Fellowship in Oakland. She thinks it's a wise teaching, but she's still in the process of questioning the idea of self or no self. Yeah, some of the thinking I've been in, engaged with is to think about identity as both something that gives us power and something that may lead us into traps. She says that for many disadvantaged groups, their identity can be a source of strength. I've been to people of color meditation retreats and those have been really deeply powerful and transformative experiences. And while allying with people who've had experiences like hers can be empowering. Our end goal isn't just to feel safe and comfortable with our folks. In our lived reality, we are dealing with you know, various types of harms that come to us as a result of these selves. And we have to heal it and transform it. And perhaps through that healing and transformation, we can get to the place where we can see through what about it is false. At the end of the day, for Chica, what's important is to recognize that these realities are not personal. Some painful thing may happen, and our tendency is to say, you know, my pain, my sadness, my anxiety. But there's another way to look at these things that's something more like, Anxiety is arising in this mind or in this body. Chika and David both said it's not about believing one thing. Their spiritual learnings are guided by their own direct experiences. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shireen Adler. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.